Oh. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, my name's Alana, and I am an alcoholic. Um, thank you, Chandra, for um, leading, and um, congratulations. Two years is huge. I always think, you know, in my first five years, it was like every year was the step. So, you know, year one was I'm powerless. Oh, my God. And year two, I'm freaking insane. So, you know, um, <laughs> congratulations. That's really awesome. And Gary, um, Gary is my Eskimo, and I'll get into that in a minute. Um, he has 34 years, and I love you, and congratulations. And welcome to the newcomers. Um, like Sabrina said, um, welcome home. Although when I was new, um, Sabrina's a lot nicer. Well, she looks a lot nicer. She's got such, like a little squirrely side like I do, which is what I love about her. But if somebody told me welcome home, I probably would have punched him in the face when I first got sober. <laughs> and that's just because um, of where I came from. Um, Sabrina, I love you with all of my heart. And I can't believe that, you know, you're 19 years old and over two years sober and just crushing the steps. Like you are going through some gnarly stuff and you're doing it no matter what. And um, we have a 10 step on, on the phone um, a couple of nights a week um, that I, I have all my sponsees jump on the phone and um, there's a little paragraph on page 86 when it says when we retire at night and we answer all 13 questions. Um, we go around the little, you know, and all my sponsees answer, you know, are we resentful? And then we answer, are we selfish? Are we dishonest? You know, and um, it's really important to stay really, really connected in the steps. And um, I, uh, I went into a meditation the other day and um, it was pretty profound and for, for whatever reason, this is where I want to start. So, um, but before I do that, let me get the facts out of the way so you guys can judge me properly. <laughs> um, my sobriety date is July 23rd, 1988. I've been sober since the day I walked into Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I have a sponsor. His name is Gino. And he's been my sponsor for my entire sobriety. Um, I have my friend Gary, who's on the Zoom right now, who I used to drink and use with. So here's my crazy witness <laughs> of all the debauchery, crazy stuff that we did back in the day. Um, and uh, I have a home group, and um, it's Third and Gardner in LA. And yes, I live in Palm Springs, but Third and Gardner will always be my home group. Um, so I was meditating, and which I do. Um, every day. Um, it's part of my, um, who I am today. I live in 10, 11, and 12. And in the meditation, um, I started and I, I got really kind of anxiety ridden and I didn't know why. And, and um, I've been trained because I've been meditating for better half of 20 years of how to, to calm myself and come back to my breath. So I did. And I came back to my breath and three things came to me. It was love, it was fear, and it was guilt. And um, those three things just like kind of like hit me in the face. And when I was new, 
I'm sorry. When I was out there using and drinking, I wanted love more than anything in the world. My parents put me in foster homes. I was beaten and molested on a daily basis. I was beaten with electrical cords in this foster home. It was a horrible childhood. And thank God, you know, I found a drink in a weird place called Yucca Valley, which is in the upper desert. And um, when I first took a drink, I was just like Sabrina, you know, I never crossed that invisible line. There was no invisible line because the very first time I took a drink, I went into a straight blackout. There was no crossing a line. I was already way across the line. And my first drink, it was just, you know, like, a pitcher of screwdrivers were all screwing around. Everybody took a sip. I had the whole entire thing. I, you know, sucked it all down. I came to as I was, you know, a paramedic is in the shower with me, smacking my face, you know, wanting me to, you know, um, come back to life, basically. And um, I, you know, I was like pretty much alcohol poisoning, very first, very first drink. And so, I was chasing that, that, that feeling, that spirit, that love, that, and I could never find it. And, you know, when I got into Alcoholics Anonymous, you guys asked me to do almost the impossible at first. And that's because I had such a small little life. And you guys asked me to trust one person. And I was like, no way. I'm not trusting anybody because my whole life I was put into foster homes and it was the cop's fault or the FBI was at my door like every month because I was, you know, a big drug dealer, whatever. And um, I was pending 10 years in the penitentiary for three DUIs and a cocaine arrest. And I was scared. I was so scared and so broken. And on March 23rd, 1988, I get a phone call in the middle of the night. I always say that. It's at 6 o'clock in the morning, middle of the night for me. And it was the Sun Valley, Idaho Sheriff's Department. And they, uh, they told me that, um, that my mom and my stepdad had been killed. And I went into a rage. And I remember putting my hand through the sliding glass door and, um, or the mirror and uh, the cop was on the phone, the sheriff, and I asked him how. And they said, you know, they bought a gun and they went to Sun Valley, Idaho, and they did their one last ski. And um, my stepdad shot my mom twice in the head, and then he shot himself. And for me, that was it. Like, I always had, like, this small, teeny speck of hope that one day my mom would rescue me from the foster home or one day my dad would swoop me up or one day you know that cool man would come and rescue me whatever and it never happened and um in fact I was raped and tortured and all that stuff right and so when I got here and you asked me to trust one person it was asking almost the impossible but I saw Gino's eyes and he had the sunlight of the spirit in his eyes. I'm very emotional tonight. <clears throat> and I'll tell you why in a second. And so I walked over to him. He was a, a chef at the Alano Club in San Diego, at the um, Castrated Alano Club. And I asked him to sponsor me. And he 
he said, men work with women and women work with women. And I'm a hustler. And I, I challenged him on that. And I said, where does it say this in this goddamn book? And he said, it doesn't. And I said, well, you know what? You're going to sponsor me or I'm going to get loaded and it's going to be on you. <laughs> I was a manipulative drunk. And um, that's how I survived. And so that man put a book in one hand, a dictionary in the other. And he sat in his apartment and he was at one end of the table and I was at the other and he said, before we open this, I just want you to share with me anything that you need to get off your chest. And for some reason I did. And I just started talking. And uh, I didn't know how to read when I got into Alcoholics Anonymous and I was ashamed of it. I uh, had a fifth grade reading level. And, um, and so that man taught me word by word and line by line and phrase by phrase of, um, of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And because of that, I learned what love was. And that man saved my ass. He didn't grab my ass. And that man saved my life. And he told me that it was okay to grieve my parents and um, that he was gonna never leave me. And I, I, um, I, I didn't believe him at first. And then uh, I saw the magic of Alcoholics Anonymous happen. And so I went from that out there of that, what, I thought love was to coming into AA and I had no idea. And, um, and then I was so fearful, but how I displayed it out there was rage. I would walk up to big, huge men in bars and punch them in the face because they would look at me with those sexual eyes or whatever. And um, I was just a, a scared human being. I would get fist fights, you know, I mean, when we were in high school, girls used to wear stupid razors in their hair and just so you don't pull their hair. I mean, stupid stuff, you know? And um, acronym for what it was like back then is face it is fuck everything and run. Sorry for the F bomb. And today it's F it's, it's face everything and recover, you know? And so when Gino asked me to do the steps, I, I could barely write. And so he said, just talk it out and write it out as much as you can. And what ended up happening was I became a gifted writer. And what ended up happening is because I went back to school and I became a straight A student. I quit school when I was 15. I started selling drugs in Palm Springs when I was 15. You know, I was, became a cocktail waitress and a bartender. I had the FBI at my house every every uh, month because I was a, a crazy person, you know? And then there was that guilt. And the guilt out there is what kept me out there because I would lie and I would cheat and I manipulate and I would steal. And in my brain at the moment, I would justify, I'm taking this rolled up hundred dollar bill and I'm switching it with the dollar bill to do those, you know? Or I'm going to steal that hundred from my friend's purse because, you know, I need that next fix. And the guilt just would smush. It would just like compound over until I became this like walking zombie um, of guilt and fear. And love was so far away. And, um, and then when I got sober, I learned how to strip away everything that wasn't me to finally get to me. And that was through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, you know, 
I didn't have a God when I got here. Why would God murder my parents? Why would God, you know, put me in a foster home and molest me, so on and so forth. And, and I found um, Buddhism and that's just my path. And so that's where I meditate on a daily basis. And, um, you know, I had all my dreams come true in Alcoholics Anonymous. Like my dream was to have a nice home and to have a, a piece of mail with my address on it and my name and people would actually send me a letter and I would open the mailbox to that home and I wouldn't be in fear that somebody was after me. I know that sounds so minuscule and small, but it was huge. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, is like Gino's man, you, Gino was like, you need to hang up your fantasies, yo, and your dreams are going to come true. And I, he said, what are your dreams? And I was like, nobody ever asked me that. I mean, we used to drink and use and laugh and, you know, and like, oh yeah, one day I want to live on a yacht and, you know, in Paris or, you know, whatever, you know, but it was all those drunken dreams, you know? And so I was stark raving sober and he's asking me and he says, you get one year of sobriety and you could do whatever you want. Just get that year. And I said, okay. So I got that year and he asked me, what did I wanted to do? And I said, I wanted to go back to LA and I wanted to uh, be an actress. And, uh, you know, there was a bunch of people that were laughing at me and saying, oh, you want to move to smell a to be an actress like everybody else. And then I had the other half of the room going, go, Alana, go, you can do this. And, you know, that old part of me used to listen to those people that says, you can't do this. Who the fuck? You can't do that. And I remembered that's a lie. It's a lie. And those people live in fear and they want you to go down with them. Don't listen, Alana. Listen to these people that are supporting you and loving you. You can do anything you want in life. And so I... I got into the music industry and uh, I toured the world, you know, setting up stadium shows across the country. And I was, I climbed the ladder. I started as a runner, like getting a coffee for the rock stars. And next thing you know, I'm the boss. And, um, and then I was on my night step. I'm always on my night step. And uh, I ended a gig in Texas and I ended up in um, Texas and, and uh, I owed an amends to my first boyfriend. And I hadn't talked to him in 15 years. And, and so there was a weekend when I went out and I hadn't long, you know, I can't even get into how I found him, but through a series of events, I found him and I made amends. And three months later, I came back and I was pregnant. <laughs> best amends I ever made. Hands down, the best amends I ever made. And people are going to judge you and people are gonna talk crap and people are gonna try to pull you down. And then there's those other people that are gonna try to support you and lift you up. And no matter what you do, as long as you stay sober, you walk that path and you, you walk that path with honor and dignity and, and respect for yourself. And then life will get better. And so I had my boy and the father couldn't um, participate in his life. And I never talked shit about him. I only said that he was spiritually sick and that's why he couldn't be around. And I would never poison my son's mind. Like when I was in the foster home and the kids used to run up to me and tell me that um, the reason why I was in the foster home was because my parents hated me and that's why I was there. And I believed that lie. I believed that lie well until at least five years of sobriety. You know, and so I tell my son the truth. He's spiritually sick and I'm sorry. 
but I'm here for you. And so is Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, my son knows the most important thing, you know, when I was, my, my son turned eight and uh, I said, what do you think the most important thing in, in your life um, is? And he said, in my life, he said, well, I'm the most important thing in your life, mom. I said, you know what? You're one of the most important things. In fact, you are the second most important thing in my life. And he kind of looked at me like the second. And I said, yeah, because if I don't have Alcoholics Anonymous, Shay, I don't have you. And so Alcoholics Anonymous has to be number one. Do you understand? And my eight-year-old understood. And to this day, he's now he's 19. He's Sabrina's age. And he's an awesome kid. And, uh, you know, we had to move out of L.A. because of a series of events. And um, I got really, really sick. And um, <sighs> I, I became a dry drunk at 25 years sober. And I ended up um, getting a, a ticket and um, just a stupid speeding ticket. And I shoved it into the glove compartment because of the time in L.A. It was about my job. It was about the money. And it was about the outside stuff. And long story short, I ended up going to jail because I, um, I didn't show up for court. 25 years sober. And at that time, I sponsored a bunch of people and I was going to meetings and I was doing this and that, but my head wasn't in the book and my, I wasn't doing the, like the 10 step like I do now diligently. And um, so I got out of jail. I ended up going to jail for five days. It was horrible. And, you know, I've been to jail probably a hundred times without exaggeration in my using and drinking days. But this time I was sober and it was scary. And this time I was a single mom and I left my son. Thank God a friend came over, um, but he couldn't show up until the next day. And my son was 13, 14 at the time. He had to spend one night by himself, one night, one night. And the guilt that I had, I can't even tell you. And so in that meditation that I started off with, that came to my brain and I thought, and here I am, 31 years sober. I'll be July, July 23rd, I'll have 32 years of sobriety. And I thought, my God, what my mom must have felt when she put me into a foster home for eight years. And the reason is because she had bipolar disorder and she was very sick. But it's taken me almost 30 years to truly forgive her. And, you know, that might sound, um, I don't know, daunting to some people, but I'll tell you one thing, I had 25 years sober and I was this close to using and I didn't use it. What I did do was I called Gino. What I did do was I threw, I tossed aside the book that I had and I got a brand new one because that's what he told me to do. And what I did do was I did do the steps again. And what I got to see was the principles that I live by. And man, the principles that I live by when I was using was all street. It was all hustle. What can I get? How can I get? You know, I'm going to lie, manipulate, cheat, steal, all that. And the principles that I live by today is what can I give? What can I do today to get out of my head? Because man, like they used to say when I was new, hanging out in here is a bad idea. Hanging out in here is like a, hanging out in a bad neighborhood all by yourself. You don't do it. You call people. And so 
I call people, I work the steps, I go to meetings, I Zoom, I speak, I meditate, you know, 10, 11, and 12, and, you know, rinse and repeat. And my life is just ridiculous. And um, what ended up happening after I got out of jail was I lost the job, I lost the car, and I lost my home. <laughs> and at 25 years sober, I was homeless. And thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And I called a friend who had a camper. I just called him to talk. I didn't even remember he had the camper. And he offered me his camper. And he drove it down to Campland in San Diego, where Gino lived in San Diego. And I lived in this, like, Campland in the trailer with two cats and my kid. Put him to school. And, and then my son um, got severely bullied in high school. And he got punched so hard he got a brain injury. And... The city was giving him panic attacks and it was horrible. It was probably one of the hardest things that I ever had to do. And then as he was starting to heal, I started to get very, very sick. And um, I ended up, we ended up moving to uh, Palm Springs. And I told myself I would never move here again as long as I lived. I hated it here because <laughs> I did all the using and drinking back in the day. And we ended up moving here, and it's been one of the best experiences. Um, it's been brutally hard because I've had to have everything stripped away to finally find me. <laughs> and um, I got a call yesterday that um, one of my sponsees named Kevin, I sponsored him for about, I don't know, two or three years in L.A. and um, he was the one that got me to move to, to Palm Springs. I took a job that he had offered. Um, I didn't sponsor him any longer at that time, but we were pretty good friends. And what ended up happening was he got loaded. And he got loaded, and at that job, he became a pretty horrible person because he was loaded. And I left. And I had to take care of me. And the hardest thing sometimes you'll have to experience in sobriety is putting the oxygen mask on yourself first as you're watching somebody burning like they're on fire and you can't fucking do anything to save them. And uh, he OD'd two days ago. <laughs> and... What I can tell you from the experience from the outside, because I'm not him, and I know he suffered, was he re absolutely refused to do the four-step with me. He was so terrified of his sex inventory. And man, I mean, I was so terrified when I had to share with Gino the deepest, darkest things of my life. It was scary. What if finally i have one person in my life that loves me and what if i tell him exactly who i am and he goes oh god no and he leaves and you know what gino didn't do that to me and i wouldn't have done it to kevin so um but I, what I get to do <laughs> is I get to share it with you guys and I get to have that 10-step meeting with Sabrina and Nancy and Sean and whoever else I get to honor 
to uh, get to sponsor, you know, and um, I'm back in school again because I'm a school junkie. <laughs> uh, I'm getting straight A students. I mean, I'm, I'm a straight A student again. I had to stop for a while because I was so sick and I'm back and um, I have a lot of stuff, you know, I had foot surgery and then in November and December had knee surgery and then when all this crazy stuff is over in the world or in the next couple months, I have to have spine surgery. I have five compressed discs and then a herniated disc and I'm in chronic pain and I don't do, you know, the opiates. They want to give me opiates and I'm like, I, I can't, it just, I can't do it. And so that's where my prayer and meditation comes in. I do herbs and things like that. And um, I went back to school for nutrition and I am a certified nutritionist. And um, I'm happy to say that, that um, before, besides the physical part of my bones, um, I was so inflamed. My body was so harmed that um, the doctors couldn't even figure it out. And I went on, I put myself on an anti-inflammatory diet and I'm cured. <laughs> it's amazing, you know? And so my story, I hope to you is hope, you know? Um, today I have love like I've never loved before and I'm not in a relationship, but I have a love with the universe and I have a love for my family, my son, that's my only family. And for my friends, there's a guy, Gary, who's here today. And when I um, got my third UI, I was working at this place called Delmonico's and I'm going to end with this, I think. And I was a cocktail waitress and a bartender and Gary used to come into my bar and um, he used to order his Greyhound and some blow underneath and we used to party like it was just ridiculous. And um, anyway, Gary just disappeared for like six months and then he came back to my bar and he looked, he was like walking up all shiny and I was like, oh my God, you look horrible. What's going on? It's like, I need some sunglasses, you know, and he's bellying up to the bar and I said, here, here's your Greyhound. He goes, oh no, no, I don't drink. And I was like, what the hell? And I go here, here's some, you know, outside issues. And he said, no, I don't, I don't use anymore. I'm clean and sober in a program called Cocaine Anonymous. And I just want you to know that my life is amazing. And I just want you to know um, it's never been better and good luck. And that was it. It was a perfect 12-step call for a girl like me. And so on July 23rd, 1988, having not spoken to Gary for over 10 years, this is back in the day when there was no Google. We didn't have cell phones. It was 411. And I called 411 and I asked for Gary Donovan and I got hooked up and he answered the gosh dang phone at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> and i thank you gary for saving my life that day and i know you're like oh it's not a big deal but you know what it is you answered the phone at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> maybe i should start turning on my phone now huh <laughs> anyway um at last uh one other girl i sponsored um a while back um I hadn't heard from her, so I texted her, and she's drinking too. And she said, you probably don't want to talk to me because I'm drinking. And I said, well, text, and I'll always be here for you. And so she said, I'm going to start Wednesday. <laughs> so let's all pray for Emily on Wednesday.
and hope she gets sober. So my life is amazing. It's very small um, and very magnanimous. It's so huge, I can't even tell you. I have a cool little apartment. I'm sitting outside in the desert sky. It's 90 degrees. My rent's paid. I have food in my refrigerator. <laughs> I have a bed and it's so comfortable. <laughs> I'm so beyond grateful. And if any of you ever need help, if you ever, ever need help, please do not hesitate to reach out to me or Sabrina or Gary. <laughs> I love you all and thank you for my sobriety.